You are listening to the Woman of Faith podcast, hosted by award-winning author and transformation coach, Nancy Ruffin. Whether you're establishing your faith journey or just getting started, the Woman of Faith podcast is passionate about sharing stories of faith that will inspire you to boldly live the life you were created for. If you're ready to elevate your faith and step into who God created you to be, then you're in the right place. So let's get started. Welcome back to the Woman of Faith podcast. It is your girl, Nancy Ruffin, and I am fresh off of a super successful conference. If you've been listening for the past few weeks, then you know I have been promoting our Breaking Free Women's Conference. It was our inaugural faith-based conference where We had speakers across all industries come together to help women dig into the four pillars of wellness as it applies to the whole woman. So we addressed spirituality, we addressed physical wellness, we addressed emotional wellness, and we addressed financial wellness. And I will tell you that the conference exceeded my wildest expectations. And to be honest, I don't know what expectations I have for the conference. I mean, of course, I wanted it to be a success. I wanted the women that attended to leave with a sense of transformation. I wanted them to feel like it was the beginning of their breakthrough, that they identified some of the things that they wanted to work towards and start breaking free from. And I think that we did that based on the feedback that I was getting from the attendees at the conference and then also based on the responses that we got from our survey. I think it was a huge success. And I say that because a number of the women had said to me and to the other women that collaborated with me on the event, that this was probably one of the best conferences uh, that they've attended. And I think that 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 says a lot. Uh, You know, we put a lot of time and effort into planning the conference. We were really intentional about the message that we wanted to communicate to the women. We were really intentional about the purpose of the conference. We wanted to keep God at the center of it and really show women what was possible when women get together in the name of God, in the name of really being united and pouring into each other. And I know that there's a ton of women's organizations. There are many other women who are doing work like this. Um, And I always feel like there's always room for all of us. There's, you know, women make up half of the population. (laughs) And so it's impossible for one organization or one person to reach all of the women in the world that need 
uh, help, that need support, that need encouragement, that just need a community of women to lift her up when she's at her lowest, to remind her of who she is, of who God created her to be. And so much of that happened at the Breaking Free Conference. And I think that for me, that is what I'm most grateful for. When I had the vision for this back in, I think it was September of last year, I wanted it to be something that was God-centered. And even though we initially wanted it to be faith-based, it was very apparent at the conference that it was Christian-based and not by anyone's intention. I think that just because of the nature of the women who attended, that was what we got. But I also want to acknowledge one of our speakers, one of our panelists, who is of the Muslim faith, Doa Rahman, who is probably one of the most beautiful representations of what it means to walk by faith, to live by faith, to love God wholeheartedly and through the work that she does with the women in her community, I think serves as an example for all of us of how we should be showing up in our own work with keeping God at the center of it. And so while the intention was never to have this heavy focus on Christianity or on Jesus, I think because of the majority of the attendees, as well as uh, myself and the other uh, collaborators, we are believers and followers of Christ. That was what played out. And so when I say that Jesus was in the room, he was absolutely in the room. And I think that that was what made it so powerful because you could literally feel the presence of God. There were chains being broken. We were praying over women. We, you know, our keynote speaker, Karina F. Days, literally took us to church at Hotel Nyack. And it was a beautiful reminder that church is not a building, that church is the people. It's those of us who come together to proclaim Jesus as our Lord and Savior and to to glorify him. And I think that's the word that I'm really looking like. Jesus was glorified at the conference. And so for me, it was it was an incredible experience. I have been curating events for women since 2013. Like I am not new to this. I'm true to this. I've been doing it for years. It's it's what I'm passionate about. You know, I'm really committed to cu- curating spaces for women where they feel seen and heard and valued and supported and where they can see themselves in the other women who are present. And so when I did this conference, I did it with the same intention. But what was different, and I think it's just a result of 
where I am in my own life as I continue to grow, as I continue to evolve, and as God continues to make my purpose on earth clearer to me, I know that the path I'm supposed to be on is to build a women's ministry. And I don't necessarily know what that looks like, but I believe that this was the first step in doing that. And what God showed me was that this is just the beginning. And it's scary. It's scary to step into something that you've never done. It's scary because there's still the voice in my head that tells me I'm not qualified (laughs) to do this work, that I'm not qualified to preach the word of God or to bring women closer to God. But I know that that's also the enemy in my head. I know that those are lies of the enemy that are trying to keep me separated from from God and from what God is calling me to do. And it's just a distraction. And I think that this happens to so many of us as we decide that we are going to step more boldly into the dreams that we have, into the calling that God has given us. And because we're afraid and because we've never done it, we try to find excuses and reasons to not do something. And it's so much easier for us to believe the lies of the enemy than it is to believe the truth of God, of the the truth of who God has said that we are, the truth of who he has created me and you to be. And so this week, I wanted to spend some time um, talking about self-condemnation, self-criticism, self-loathing, And this is really a part of a series of conversations that I want us to have within the next couple of weeks around this idea of the things that we need to break free from. Because in order for us to really step in to our best self and to our highest potential and to who God has called us to become, we have to leave and break free from all of the negative feedback that we have conditioned ourselves to believe, from the negative mindset, from the condemnation that we carry, either because of ourselves or because other people have placed this condemnation on us. And so this week, we're going to be talking about breaking free from self-condemnation, self-criticism, and how we can get back to the truth of who God says that we are. So when I return from this break, we're going to get right into this conversation. And I invite you to grab a pen, a pad, take notes. And if if during the, the podcast, if there are any questions that come up for you, Jot them down. If you have any thoughts that are bubbling up to the surface as you're listening to this episode, jot it down. And then once once it's over, go back and look at what you wrote and, and ask yourself, well, what is what is here? How can you dig deeper either into the question or into the comment or into the thought that is popping into your head? Because so often this is how God is speaking to us, but because we have not conditioned ourselves to really sit with ourselves 
and listen to the voice of God that lives inside of us, we just go about our day believing that who we are is just who we are, not really understanding the root of who we are and how we got to be the way that we are. So when we come back, we're going to get into this conversation. And if you enjoy the conversation, if you have any aha moments, make sure that you leave me a comment so that we can chat about it. And if you have other topics that you'd like to hear on this podcast, you can also email me. All this information will be in the episode notes, but I really want this podcast to be an interaction of not just me, but of you, the listener, and of what it is that you're looking for every time you come here, what is it that you appreciate when you come here, and how we can build upon this uh, relationship that we're establishing. Because really, that's what it is. If you're tuning in every single week, um, it means that you're interested in what I have to say. And because you are, I'm also interested in understanding where you are and your thoughts and your opinions and all of those things matter to me. All right. So we'll be right back after this break. You are tuned in to the Women of Faith podcast. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review. Thanks for listening. Welcome back. This week, we are talking about self-condemnation. How do we break free from the self-inflicted hell and prison that we place ourselves in? And so often... We do this and we don't even realize that we're doing it. But before we get into this conversation, I want to provide a definition of what self-condemnation is. Now, according to merriamwebster.com, self-condemnation is the act or an instance of condemning one's own character or actions condemnation of oneself. And really, I guess in plain terms, what it is, is when we talk badly to ourselves, when we think badly about ourselves, and when we're unable to forgive ourselves because we have internalized this belief that whatever it is that we have done or experienced is so bad that we are not deserving of forgiveness. And that is so important to mention because so much of low self-esteem and low self-confidence stems from self-condemnation and not feeling worthy. And a lot of times, you know, this self-condemnation We either do it to ourselves throughout our lives based on certain experiences that we had, but I think more often than not, it's really this learned behavior and it's inflicted on us a lot of times by other people. And so if you think, for example, at the child 
who is constantly getting reprimanded or is constantly getting screamed at just for merely existing. Maybe they spill some juice and they spill the juice and the parent reacts to the spilling of the juice. Like they just flip and it turns into oh, you can never do anything right. You're such a klutz. You're so clumsy. You're no good. And this is something that is constantly repeated to this child throughout their childhood. Then they begin to internalize that everything that they do is wrong. And so then when they grow up and they become adults, they live in this world of self-condemnation and not feeling like they're worthy enough. And they just feel like a failure because for as long as they can remember, this is what they have been told, you know? And as we go through life, you know, you look back at your own life, uh, we experience different challenges. We find ourselves facing certain storms. We, we encounter painful experiences. Life can get really hard. It can get really stressful. And, you know, for some people um, that all of those things can become overwhelming and sometimes even traumatizing. And the reality is that no matter how good one may have it, at some point, we all struggle. And so if we are not mindful of how we navigate life's hardships and challenges, we can find ourselves in this constant state of self-condemnation, believing that everything that we do has no value that there's no benefit that 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 every bad thing that happens to us we're deserving of it you know and as we go through these challenges um whether they begin as a child or we go through them as adults we tend to receive feedback whether that's from our loved ones whether it's from our parents our siblings our spouses, even our children, um, we then tend to rely on that feedback to determine, you know, how we're going to move forward from that. And if we are constantly in a state of believing that all we do is mess up, and this is what the feedback is supporting, then this is how we go through life, you know? And, and a lot of times the feedback can be negative and depending on who's giving us the feedback, it can be painful, it can be inaccurate, it can be damaging in the way that we view ourselves and our, our abilities and ultimately it's wrong. And, and that's not to say that when we mess up, um, that there shouldn't be correction, right? But there's a, 
there's a line between constructive criticism, right? Feedback that helps us become better and then destructive criticism. Feedback that is intended to break us, to keep us down, to make us feel bad about our, ourselves. And if we are not careful, we will end up soaking in all of this destructive criticism and without realizing it, we let it dictate our thoughts and we let it dictate our, you know, the opinion that we have of ourselves. We let it affect the way that we talk to ourselves in our minds, right? Because we know that our inner voice, and I talk about this often, um, particularly because I'm a mom and I'm really mindful of how I speak to my children because I know that we as parents have such an influence over our young kids that what we say to them and how we speak to them becomes their inner voice. So if we're constantly belittling them, if we're constantly pointing out all of the things that they're doing wrong, if we're constantly talking to them in a negative way, that is what they internalize. And as they get older, that inner voice is what they have. And so for me, I am really mindful of the things that I say to my children and the tone that I say it, the way that I speak. And I'm really intentional about speaking life into them. Even when they mess up, even when they're not doing their best, I remind them that they always have an opportunity to do better. And that just because they made a poor choice, it doesn't necessarily make them a bad person. Like we're human, we're going to make mistakes, nobody is perfect, but what matters is what we learn from the mistake and how we choose to move forward from that. You know, I practice here a growth mindset, so it's never that they're not performing up to their fullest potential, but I remind them that to be good at anything takes time. It takes practice. Like we're never going to be experts the first time we try something. It's only through constant repetition, through constant practice, through a commitment and consistency that we will develop new skills and that we'll eventually become great at them. And so this is how I how I'm you know, raising my children because I know that when I'm not around and when they're on their own and when they're faced with challenges or with new opportunities or with things that they've never done before, it's that voice, my voice that they're going to hear. And what they're going to hear is, is me saying, you can do it. It's okay to be afraid, but just because you're afraid doesn't mean that you shouldn't try, right? You have to try and you have to see what the outcome is. And so what? So what if you don't get it right the first time? You keep trying, you keep trying, you keep trying. So this is so, these conversations are so important. And so when we get the negative feedback, if we are not careful, we will internalize that. And then we will use that and and turn it into that pesky little voice in our minds. And then that is how we talk to ourselves so that when we mess up, what's the voice telling you? Well, you couldn't do it anyway.
You're a failure. You never get things right. You're clumsy. You always screw up. You're a mess up, like, right? Because if that's the only thing that they've heard for their entire life, then that's the only thing that they have to go off of. And so all of that really influences the choices that we make in life. And in that way, we become our own worst enemies. We become the harshest judges that we cannot escape. And I say this because I encounter so many women who are fighting battles against themselves and they don't even realize it. They show up in the in the world just full of anger, full of rage, and it's not the world that they're angry at and it's not the world that they're mad at. It's really an external manifestation of what's happening within them. You know, and I remember when I was younger, I used to be really hard on myself because in my household, the way that me and my sister were described, or I guess the roles that we were placed in were that I was the smart one because I always did well in school. I was a bookworm. I loved reading. I was involved in like every uh, academic activity there was in school. I was part of the Young Astronauts Club. I was a member of the Stamp Club. I was super, super nerdy. And I also enjoyed school. And I was always in the smartest classes. I, I did really well academically. And so I was dubbed the smart one. And that's not to say that my sister's not smart because she is. And if I'm going to be honest, I personally think she's way smarter than me. But the difference between her and I when we were younger is that she never applied herself. Like she wasn't this, she wasn't, she hated school. She didn't like studying, you know, so she really went in and she, she gave the bare minimum. And even with that, she still made good grades, but school was not something that she enjoyed. So instead I was, I was placed in the role of the smart one, and my sister was the pretty one. And so you could imagine what that would do to the psyche of a young girl and how it took me a really long time to embrace or to even think that I was pretty or that I was cute because that wasn't something that was ever highlighted for me, at least not like my sister, like every. People would see her and they would comment on her long, beautiful hair and how pretty she was and how cute. And those were never terms that were used to describe me. People would always comment on, you know, academics and how smart I was and the good grades that I got. And, you know, I was um, on the honor roll, like all of these things. And because of that, I always placed a lot of... I, I guess I, I was always really hard on myself when it came to school and when I would struggle with certain subjects, I would physically like harm myself because I felt that I wasn't smart 
that I was a failure. Now, it wasn't that my parents would tell me those things directly, but what it looked like was if I brought a report card home and I got straight A's in every subject, and then I got maybe a B minus in math, the A's were overlooked and they only focused on the B minus and why couldn't I get an A in math? When math has never been my strong subject, I'm a creative, I'm a writer. So I always struggled with math. And for me, a B minus was the best that I could do. But because of that, I would always be really super hard on myself. And so when I, whenever I failed anything in school, I would condemn myself and I would pull my hair, like I would self-harm. <laughs> and I don't even know if I've ever shared this publicly, like aside from my family members, but like I would smack myself, I would pull my hair, um, especially if I were like when I was in college and I was trying to learn new concepts. And I remember I was an accounting major um, and I don't know why, why I studied accounting. I just told you I'm not really good at math, but I was an accounting major and I used to struggle with some of the concepts and I would just sit at my computer, bawling my eyes out, calling myself stupid, telling myself what a failure I was, that I was never going to amount to anything, like just all of these things. And, and it wasn't because some people were telling me that, but it was the identity that was given to me this idea of being the smart one. And so I was never given the, like, the luxury of just failing and not getting things right. Like I always felt like I had to get everything right. And that was such a huge hurdle for me to get over. I mean, in that stuff, I worked through, you know, when I started doing my healing work and when I started going, going to, uh, to therapy, uh, because it wasn't healthy. It wasn't healthy for where I was at that point in my life. And it definitely wasn't healthy for the my future or who I wanted to become. And so if we're not careful and if we're not mindful, we will build these prisons for ourselves and we will stay there in this self-inflicted hell because we choose to live condemning ourselves. And, you know, for some people, this self-judgment, this self-condemnation, and this self-loathing can actually become a comfort zone. And so we get so comfortable being there that we don't even know how to step out of it. And not that we don't know how to step out of it. We don't even want to, because to step out of it means that we have to do work and doing the work is really hard. And so if this is all we have ever known, how do we know to treat ourselves any differently, right? Because you don't know what you don't know. So how do we talk to ourselves? How do you start to change that negative inner voice? But the truth is that at some point in life, when the suffering becomes unbearable or when you just get tired of the old ways that don't seem to work in your life, you have to make a decision and you have to decide, like, do I want to stay in this hell that I've created? 
Or is there another way? Can I make a different decision? And so I guess the advice or the tips that I want to share um, with you to help you to start breaking free from this self-condemnation, from this self-criticism and this self-loathing is that first you have to become aware that you're doing this. You have to be really honest with yourself, you know, and, and ask yourself, like, who is it that I'm truly fighting here? Do you, do you want to be a constant battle with yourself? Because you're not a failure, regardless of what people in your past may have told you, regardless if you've failed in the past. Just because you fail at something doesn't mean that you're a failure. It just means that you're human and that you're not perfect and you're not a robot. And failure is the only way that we learn. No one, like if, if you always get everything right, what have you learned, <laughs> right? There's no learning component there. There's no growth. So the only way that we learn is by failing. So the first thing is start noticing when you treat yourself badly in your mind. Notice when that little inner voice starts to click and when you drop you know, the plate at work or when you spill, you know, a cup and in your mind, you're like, oh, you're such a clumsy idiot, you know, catch yourself when you notice that, that thought starting to cultivate in your mind or when you feel like, you know, your anxiety starting to creep up um, or when you say something, you know, you say the wrong thing in a conversation and, you know, and then internally you're like, oh, you're so stupid. I should have never said that, you know, become conscious of the way that you're starting to treat yourself and the words that you're starting to, to, to speak in your mind, the thoughts as they start to materialize, right? Even, or when you feel low, depressed, unmotivated, unproductive, right? And you start to call yourself lazy or loser or useless, like the list goes on and on. All I'm saying is that when that starts to happen, I want you to notice it without judgment. Just notice it and you'll be like, hmm, here it is again. And then be mindful of, of stopping the thought before it multiplies because right because one thought is going to turn into two and two into three and then forget it it becomes like this whole snowball effect so the next thing that i want you to start doing is that once you become aware of the negative remarks that negative inner voice in your mind that you stop it and that you intentionally start to replace those usual negative remarks with something positive, right? So think of a few ahead of time. Maybe now's the perfect time. Start jotting things down. And when you find yourself acting or reacting in a negative way, even if you make a real mistake, you choose to give yourself grace. You allow yourself to make the mistake and say, you know what? I'm human. I'm not perfect. And I made the mistake. And by making the mistake, it just all it goes to show is that my willingness to try, 
right? So tell yourself, you know, give yourself supportive comments. It doesn't even necessarily have to be positive affirmations, but just a different way to talk to yourself. And instead of criticizing yourself, you know, for making a mistakes, you say, you know what? It's okay. No biggie. At least I didn't blah, blah, blah. Or I'll do better next time. Or this is how I'm learning, right? It's all about how intentional we are with cultivating a healthy relationship with ourselves because you were not created to live in condemnation. You are not a mistake. You make mistakes, but because you make a mistake, does it make you a failure? The next thing that I encourage you to do is to remove any self-judgment. Removing self-judgment doesn't mean that you give yourself permission to be mean or hurtful or unprofessional. Because let me tell you something. There are some people who I know who will turn and make every single situation about them. And because it's their defense mechanism, they will try to dump all of the things that are happening within themselves, within the own hell that they've created within themselves onto other people. And sometimes it's not about you. Sometimes, well, not sometimes, all the time, you have no right to dump your mess on other people. And so I'm not saying that you have to be okay um, with the judgment. But what I'm saying is that when you do mess up, just remove the self-judgment. But don't allow your removing the self-judgment to convince you that then it's okay to be mean or hurtful or unprofessional towards others. Because what can happen is that we might aim to use the self-reflection in order to learn and improve, but we have to choose to stop abusing ourselves along the way, right? So remove the self-judgment, but don't abuse yourself as punishment. The next thing I want to share, and this is going to be the last thing, is that it's always a choice. And I talk about choices all the time. Like our lives are a series of choices. You are where you are right now in your life because of all the choices you have or you have not made up until this point. We get to choose. We get to choose the outcome of our lives. And so it is a conscious choice to treat yourself differently in your thoughts and in your actions. You do not have to self-condemn yourself. You are not the worst thing about you. Our thoughts are where everything starts. And I say this all the time, and this is why I'm so committed to helping women really learn to transform 
their thoughts and transform their mindsets. Because if you can change your mind, if you can change your thoughts, you can change your life. That's how powerful your thoughts are. Because everything that exists in this world first started as a thought in someone's mind. And so it may be powerful for you as you continue to become more aware to start writing down your choices in big letters, right? Put it up where you can see it and say the words aloud. Say it to yourself a few times. Look at yourself in the mirror so that you can see how your body responds to what you're saying and start saying to yourself, I choose to treat myself with respect, compassion, care, and love. I choose me. I choose to be my support person and best friend. I want to leave you with these final Buddhist words of wisdom. Emotional pain is unavoidable, but suffering is a choice. So let us all make this journey easier on ourselves. Once we learn to support our human experience, ourself, the one and only self we have, we alleviate the unnecessary suffering and we'll be able to manage the pain better. It is our responsibility and our choice. I hope this episode blessed you. Thank you for tuning in. And remember, no matter what you've done, you are not your mistakes. You are not your failures. You have been created for a specific reason at this specific time with a specific purpose because you have been created for more. Until next time, thank you. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Women of Faith podcast. If this episode blessed you, consider supporting us by leaving us a rating, giving us a review, writing a comment, and sharing with your network. And if you feel really moved, you can consider making a financial donation to the link in our episode notes. Until next time, I pray that you are blessed that you step boldly into what God is calling you to do and that you never forget that you were created for more.